Hey, what's up? What's going on? Everyone chilling? <laughs> That's very good. That's very good. As my friend Nachman Futterman says, Nachman, are you listening to this, Nachman? Anyways, Nachman Futterman, he says, chilling's the best. <laughs> Nachman, you're the best, Nachman. <laughs> Hello. How are you, Nachman? Um, anyways, here we go. Daf Tzadi Dalad of Masech the Shabbos. Great daf today. What can I tell you? Great daf. Um, it's pretty involved. There's a, there's a lot going on. It's kind of unassuming. I, I didn't think... I thought it would take me quicker to learn, but it actually took me, took me longer to learn. <laughs> so, here we go. Uh, so, a little overview before we begin. We're going to talk about... Um, Taking out food in a kli, uh, we've like mentioned this a few times, uh, talking, the idea of, well, obviously we've been talking about uh, the minimum shear of food in general, like a grogaris, but we're going to talk, we talk about that a little bit now. Um, talk about taking out animals, taking out humans, the concept of chai no seas atzmo, somebody who's alive carries his own weight. So, Kilo, you can carry somebody on Shabbos because it's considered like the person is carrying himself. Get back into Malacha Shein Atzrich Legufa Shtikel. Uh, understand a little bit more Reb Shimon's opinion who says that Malacha Shein Atzrich Legufa is Pater. How does he define Malacha Shein Atzrich Legufa? Which is pretty cool. Um, uh, I have written here, removing extra stuff. Okay, yo, I, hopefully that will make more sense a little bit later. Removing fingernails. Anybody know about that? Probably, right? Speaking of Nachman Futterman. Nachman, do you remember when I learned Masech the Shabbos? Like, uh, oh gosh, that must have been in 2000 and, uh, 2011. It must, this must have been, it was the winter. So it was either like late 2011, early 2012. Nachman, I was, I was once at your house on, on Shabbos for lunch. And I think, Mir- <laughs> I think Miriam asked me, uh, if I had something to share, like a Dvartar or something. And I didn't, but I had like learned this stuff like that week. And we talked about like removing fingernails, so I kind of shared the halacha of removing fingernails. Nachman, you remember that, Nachman? Apparently I do. Alright, friends, let's move on. Daf Tzadi Dalad of Masech the Shabbos. We're going to begin on Daf Tzadi Gimel Amad Beis, um, towards the bottom, at the Mishnah. Hamotzi Ochlin Palchus Mikshir. Oh, somebody who takes out on Shabbos food that is less than a shear. Now, of course, we all know at this point, that what is the share? Everyone tell me all at once. What's the share for taking out Ochlan on Shabbos? Or for any malacha that regards food on Shabbos? That's right. A grogaris. So if you take out less than a grogaris on Shabbos, bichli, and it's in a um, vessel, okay? Potter af alakli shaklit velilo. So you're going to be potter even for taking out the vessel, the container that this... Um, less than a shear is, let's say, half of a fig. So let's, if you have half of a fig in a Tupperware... So you are going to be putter, um, not just for the half a fig, but also for the Tupperware. As a chai bimita, if you have a person who is alive and you are taking him out in a bed, putter af alamita, shamita tfelelo. So you're going to be patur, exempt even for the bed that the, this person is lying in, because the bed is null. It is nullified. It is batel. It is, t- uh, it doesn't say batel. Whoa, 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 one second. It's not batel, it's tafel. It's secondary. Secondary. It's not non-existent, but it's secondary to the person. So therefore, for all intents and purposes, it is irrelevant. And, um, we consider it to be achai noseas atzmo. Somebody who's alive carries himself. And therefore, you will not be chai for carrying him and nor for the bed because the bed is secondary to him. As ames bimita, if you have, however, a uh, corpse in a bed, so chayev. So then you will be chayev for carrying the corpse, okay? And, and now we're saying, and it's not just a dead body, but even an olive's worth from a dead body. Or a kezayis from a non-slaughtered animal. Uh, meaning a dead but not non-slaughtered animal, as well as a lentil size from a sheretz, from a little bug, um, you're going to be chayv for taking that out because you're taking it out uh, for a reason, so that because you don't want this tumah in your house, so therefore you are removing it 
and um, you're going to be chayev for that. Now, Reb Shimon Potter. Reb Shimon says, Lamaise, you're going to be Potter because it's a malacha shenatsricha legufa, and we are going to understand in just a little bit how exactly Reb Shimon is defining malacha shenatsricha legufa. It's pretty interesting for me at least. <clears throat> Friends, let's, let, let, let's take a look at the Gemara. Taner Abanon, the rabbis taught, Hamotzi Ochlin Kishiur. Okay, so if you bring out uh, on Shabbos from Rishus Hayachet to Rishus Arabim food, and it's at least the minimum size, so that would be, of course, a dried fig's worth. Okay. Bichli, skip the word M. Bichli, Chayev ala Ochlin ufatur ala Kli. So you took a dried fig, you put it into a Tupperware, and now you take the Tupperware from your house into the Rishus Arabim. Okay. Um, so you are going to be potter. No, not potter. You're going to be chayev. You're going to be chayev for taking out the uh, dried fig. However, you're going to be potter for the Tupperware. That's irrelevant. Okay, fine. Ve'im haya klitzarichlo chayev afalakli. However, says this Brisa, that if you needed the Tupperware, let's say you're going to a uh, potluck in the park, for Shabbos lunch, and your contribution <laughs> is a dried fig. <laughs> Anyways, um, so you're going to this potluck, and you have your dried fig and your Tupperware. Now, the Tupperware is not simply a container to transport your dried fig. It is also going to be your plate over there, okay? And you're going to be able to take food, put it in your Tupperware. So, so you actually, so, so the Tupperware is not simply a vessel in which to transport your dried fig. Um, it is also important in, in and of itself because it's going to be your plate at the potluck in the park, okay? So Shmamina, new friends, you ready for this sugya? I'm sure it's going to bring back very warm memories of Daf, uh, what was it, Ayin Aleph Muralaf or something? Ayin Beza Muralaf maybe? Anyways, Shmamina, Ochel Shnei So this would imply, new from the fact that we're saying that you accidentally took outside a dried fig in a Tupperware. If you need both the dried fig and the Tupperware, you're going to be chayv twice. You're going to be two korban chatases. Well, what does that tell us about the sugya of Ochel Shnezese Chelev Behelem Echad? That if he ate two kizesim of Chelev in one mistake, so we had assumed that you'd be chayev only one korban chatases, right? One helen. You didn't realize in the middle. You ate two kzeisim of chelev. So you only be chayev um, uh, once, right? However, this seems to be implying that even though you're doing the same milacha of hutza'ah on two objects, um, you're doing hutza'ah twice without realizing in between. And we're saying you're going to be chayev for both the hutza'ah for the dried fig as well as the hutza'ah for the Tupperware. Wouldn't that imply that somebody who eats two kizesim of chelev without realizing in the middle, he would be chayv two korban chatases? So I'm Sheshes. So if Sheshes says no, do not compare the two. Interesting. So if Sheshes says this is different than ochel shnei zeisachelevelemechad, what this is, what's happening in this scenario? Is that the guy by accident took out the um, dried fig? I don't know. Maybe he thought that food. You're, maybe he thought you're allowed to take out food on Shabbos. Okay. So he made an accident regarding the dried fig. However, he intentionally he knew that he wasn't able to bring out the Tupperware, and he did that on purpose. So we're actually not talking about two korban chatases here. Forget it. We're talking about one korban chatas for the dried fig, and then we're talking about chayev misa, essentially, for the Tupperware. So those are two separate things. If they were both bishogeg, so yeah, you would only be one chayev, one korban chatas, according to Avsheshes. Just like achol shnei zese chelev behelem achas, you'd only be chayev one. However, this was where, this was, no, this was talking about where there was a shogeg regarding the dried fig, but he was bemazed regarding the Tupperware. And that's what it means, chayev af al akli. means he's chayev a korban chatas for the dried fig. And he's chayev misa for the Tupperware. 
All right, exciting. What about Kamle Bidrabamine? What about Kamle Bidrabamine? We had that the other day, right? Right, when it came to the guy who stole the purse and, you know, there was the Hotza and the Gneva at the same time. So if we're saying that he's basically going to be chayv, obviously, for the Mistama, he's going to be chayv for the fig and for the Kli at the same time. And if we're saying that he's doing the Kli b'meizid and he's chayv misa for that, so then shouldn't we say, come live with the Rabbi and say that he should be chayv misa, but he shouldn't be chayv korban chatas? Lemaisa, I don't know. I don't know Lemaisa. I don't know Lemaisa. Does Taisa say anything? I don't know. Maybe. I can't tell. Let's go on. So, okay. Very good. So that is how Rav Sheshes deals with this case. That's why he's chayev for the Kli. He's chayev a korban chatas for the food, which was b'shogeg, and he's chayev misa for the Kli, which was b'mezid. Let's go weiter. Maskifla Rav Ashi. Now Rav Ashi asks a question against Rav Sheshes. Ve'af ala Kli Katani. One second, says Rav Ashi. The uh, Brisa says that he's chayev even for the Kli, meaning it sounds like he's chayev the same thing, not just for the food, but also for the kli, i.e., he's going to be chayv a korban chatas for both. He's going to be chayv two korban chatases. Not, it's not saying that he's chayv one thing for the food and another thing for the kli, right? That he's chayv a korban for the food and he's chayv misa for the kli. No, it says afal kli kielu that they're in the same boat. That just like he's chayv a korban for the food, he's also going to be chayv a korban for the kli. So Ella Amravashi rather says Ravashi kigon sheshagak bazeo vazev nodulo vachazev nodulo. <laughs> it's bringing back all fond memories of all the great sugyas from the other day. And then remember there was that ukimta where he ate two kizesim of chelev without realizing in the middle. Fine. However, he first found out about the first one and then he found out about the second one. And there was that machlokas darin between Rabbi Yochanan and Rishlakish. That Rabbi Yochanan said, that since he found out about the first uh, of Chelev and the second Kazayis of Chelev separately, you have to bring two Korban Chatases. Rish Lakish, however, said that no, even in that case, you only bring one Korban Chatas for both of them, even when you found out about them separately. And therefore, what the Gemara is saying, that that's what happened here as well. You took out the dried fig in the Tupperware. So for that, you'd really be chayv one korban chatas. However, when you found out about them, you found out about them separately. First, you found out that, you know, regarding the fig, you made a mistake. Then you found out that regarding the Tupperware, you made a mistake. And because you found out about them separately, according to Rav Ashi, he's going to say like Rav Yochanan, which is that you'd bring two korban chatases. And that's how he's explaining the brisa. However, Rav Sheshes would argue on Rav Nachman. And he would say, like Rish Lakish's opinion, that even when he would find out about them separately, he would still only have to bring one Korban Chatas, right? And therefore, so in our case, where he brought out the dried fig in the Tupperware, okay? And then he finds out first about the dried fig, and then he finds out about the Tupperware, right? Rav Sheshis holds like Rish Lakish, who would say you would still only have to bring only one Korban Chatas. So then, how does Rav Sheshis deal with the Brisa that says that he's chayv even for the Kli? What do you mean chayv even for the Kli? That's why he explains that what it means is he's chayv even for the kli, meaning that he's chayv misa for the kli. Kilu is chayv korban chatas for the, uh, for the dried fig. And he's chayv misa for the kli, for the Tupperware, because he did that one on purpose. Um, because, uh, if he would have done them both by accident, then he would only be chayv to bring one korban chatas. Because of ochos nezei said chayle belemechad, ein, eno chayv achas. Okay, make sense, everyone? Everyone got that? Good. So let's read it inside. So Ella Amrav Ashi, so it says Rav Ashi Kigon Sheshagag right? That he made a mistake both regarding the um, dried fig as well as regarding the Tupperware. Vinodalo, and first he found out, let's say, about the dried fig, because of Vinodalo. And then afterwards he found out about the mistake regarding the Tupperware. And the Machlokas between Rav Nachman 
and Rab Sheshes is like the Machlokas between Rab Yochanan and Rish Lakish. Rab Nachman holds like Rab Yochanan that if you find out about one and then find out about the other, you bring two carbon chattises. Rav Sheshes holds like Rish Lakish that when you find out about one, then you find out about the other, you only bring one korban chatas, and therefore, in order to explain why, what it means that he'd be even for the Tupperware, Rav Sheshis has to say where he, the Tupperware was on purpose, and he's chayv misa for the Tupperware. Friends, let's keep on going. Es mita, patra afalamita. So the Mishnah had said that if um, you take out to Rosh a live person, Baruch Hashem, a healthy live person in his bed, sounds like a fun, fun activity. So you're going to be putter for the person as well as for the bed. Lema masnisin, Rabbi Nasanhi vilo Rabbanon. Okay. So let's say that this Mishnah, therefore, is Rabbi Nasan, and let's say that the author of the Mishnah is not the rabbis. How come? The Tanya's we learn in a brisa. Hamotzi behema chayev of Okay. Somebody who takes out to Rishus Harabim, um, a animal, a domesticated animal, a wild animal. Or a bird. So whether this animal or bird is alive, whether it is slaughtered, i.e. it's dead, you're going to be chayav. That's the opinion of the Chachamim, of the Tanakam. Reb Nassan Omer, al-shchutin chayav, v'alchayin potter, atzmo. Now Reb Nassan argues on the Chachamim, and he says, no, if these animals or birds are slaughtered, they're not alive, so then you're chayev, sure. But if they are alive, then you are potter for taking them out to Rosh Hashanah because hachay no se'es atzmo, something that is alive carries its own weight, carries itself, and you are not considered to be carrying it. Um, and therefore, the Gemara wants to assume that, sin, that the same machlokas between the Chachamim and Reb Nassim regarding animals would apply as well to humans, okay? And therefore, just like the Chachamim say that you'll be chayev even if you take out live animals, and Reb Nassim says you're potter if you take out live animals, well, they would say the same thing also regarding humans, that if you carry a human in a bed on Shabbos, the Chachamim will say that you're chayev, and Reb Nassim will say that you're potter. And therefore, our Mishnah is Reb Nassim. That's what the Gemara wants to say. Amar Rava says, Rava afilu You can even say that our Mishnah is the Rabbanon. You can even say that our Mishnah that says that it's permitted, or that at least your putter, um, for carrying out a human, could even be the Rabbanon. Aye, what about the fact that they said that if you carry out a live animal, you're chayev? The Rabbanon only argue with Rabnosin with regards to animals and birds because they are like make it difficult for you to move them, right? You try to pull them and they kind of fight against you. And therefore, it's not considered like they are carrying themselves. And that's why you're chayev even for live animals and birds. However, a person who is alive and therefore we consider, and he's not trying to be difficult, right? And we say, a live person carries his own weight as opposed to dead weight, right? Live weight is, is, uh, is lighter. So, at least that's my understanding. And so, so, therefore, if you have, if you are taking out a human being, in a bed on Shabbos, even the Chachamim would say that you would be potter because they apply the rule of Achai no atzmo to human beings, even though they don't apply it to animals because animals kind of will, 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 um, sort of, uh, what's it called? To resist, I guess, and try to make it more difficult for you. So Rav Adabarahava says to Rav. Now, this is interesting to me because, uh, my understanding is that Rav Adabarahava was a student of Rav, which would make uh, Rav Adabarahava, a relatively older Amora, that would make him like, kind of like the generation of like Rav Yehuda. Like that's pretty high up. Whereas Rava was like lower than that. You know, there was, there was Rav and then there was Rav Yehuda. There was Rava and then there was Rava, right? Rava was a student of Rava. He was also a student of Rav Nachman. So he was much later. So it would be interesting to, you know, if Rav Adabarahava was really having this discussion directly with Rava, 
Um, although interestingly, a little bit later on the page, we're going to see Rav Adabar Masna. So I wonder if maybe it, w- it was initially Rav Adabar Masna and somehow the Girsa changed over the years. I don't know. Speculation. But in any event, the Gemara says Rav Adabar Ahava. So Omar lay Rav Adabar Ahava the Rava. So Rav Adabar Ahava said to Rava. So one second, Rava, you are saying that the Chachamim would agree with Rav Nasin when it comes to human beings to say that we would apply the rule of Achai Noseyasatzmo and Chacham would also agree that you'd be potter for carrying out a human on Shabbos because Achai Noseyasatzmo. But listen up. But what about the following Mishnah from Masech Avodazar? So the Mishnah in Masech Avodazar says that you are not permitted to sell a... Um, an ant, like a wild animal, behemagasa, well, a big, a large animal, you're not able to sell a large animal to a non-Jew. How come? Because we're concerned that if you sell animals to non-Jews, so let's say like an ox, so you might then end up uh, lending oxen to non-Jews. Okay, what's the problem with that? The problem with that is that if you lend your ox to your non-Jewish next-door neighbor, he might work with it on Shabbos. Now, I am responsible for making sure that my ox has a day of rest on Shabbos. And therefore, I would not be allowed to lend my ox to my next door neighbor for him to work his field with it on Shabbos. And therefore, out of concern that if we allow um, Jews to sell their oxen to non-Jews, which would be fine because once you sell it, it's not yours anymore. But what might end up happening is that um, you might lend it to non-Jews, and that would be a problem because then they might end up using it on Shabbos. So now, what do we say over there? Ben Becerra Matir Besus. Okay. We say over there that, however, Ben Becerra says that you would be allowed to sell a horse to a non-Jew. Vitania, we learn in Ebrisa, Ben Becerra Matir Besus Mepneshu Osebo Melacha Shein Chayavan Olav Chatos. And we learn in Ebrisa that Ben Becerra says, that you're allowed to sell a horse to a non-Jew, to a non-Jew, because even if that leads to Jewish people lending their horse to non-Jewish people, that wouldn't really be a big deal because horses don't really do malacha on Shabbos. Because what is a horse used for? A horse is used for people to ride on. Now, if we assume that Achai Noseyas Atzmo, if we assume that Achai Noseyas Atzmo, that a human being carries himself, well then, you know, what's the worst that can happen? So a Jew will lend his horse to a non-Jew. The non-Jew will ride the horse on Shabbos. So what? The horse isn't doing anything. What? It's carrying a person? The person's carrying himself. The horse isn't doing anything. And therefore, Ben Becerra says that you would be allowed to sell a horse to a non-Jew because there's really no concern, you know, because what's the problem? People might end up lending their horses to non-Jews. So what? It'll do Melachan Shabbos? No, it won't. What's it going to do? Carry people? The people carry themselves. So therefore, Ben Becerra says that you would be allowed to sell a horse to a non-Jew. Ve'amar Rabbi Yochanan, and says Rabbi Yochanan, Ben Becerra, Rabbi Nassin, Now, interestingly, Rabbi Yochanan says that Ben Becerra and Rab Nassin say the same thing. Meaning, the reason why Ben Becerra says that you're allowed to sell a horse to a non-Jew is essentially because of this law of Achai Noseyasatzmo. That even if the non-Jew will, uh, you know, you'll lend it to a non-Jew and he will ride it on Shabbos, there's still no problem because we assume Achai Noseyasatzmo. Now, um, Rabbi Yochanan is saying that Ben Becerra and Reb Nassin agree, i.e., that both Reb Ben Becerra and Reb Nassin agree that Achai Noseyasatzmo. Who's missing from this statement? The Chachamim, of course. The implication being that the Chachamim do not agree that Achai Noseyasatzmo. The Chachamim would, right, Rabbi Yochanan is saying that Ben Becerra agrees with Rabbi Nassin, but the Chachamim would not agree with them. The Chachamim would say that you would not be allowed to sell your horse to a non-Jew, because we have to be concerned that maybe you're going to lend your horse, right, Jews are going to lend their horse to a non-Jew, 
And then Andrew is going to ride the horse, and that'll be a problem because we don't say by human beings. So there you go. So that seems to be a kasha on Rava who says that the Chacham would agree with Reb Nassim when it comes to humans and say But if that was the case, then why is Reb Yochanan saying that Ben Becerra agrees with Rav Nassim? He should say that Ben Becerra agrees with everybody, with the Chachamim as well. The Amar Dilo Pligate Rabbanon Ali Drab Nasin, El Behemachai Vaof, Mishum Dimshavitin Afshayu. And if you're going to say that the Chachamim only disagree with Rab Nasin when it comes to animals, because animals sort of resist your, 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 your efforts to move them, but by humans, um, they would agree with Rab Nasin that Achaino Seyas Asmo, then my Iria Ben Beseir of Rab Nasin, then why is Rabbi Yochanan saying that specifically Ben Becerra and Rab Nassin are in the same boat. But didn't you say that even the rabbis would agree that Achainosei es atzmo when it comes to humans? And therefore the Rabbanan also shouldn't have any issue with selling horses to non-Jews because even if Jews end up lending their horses to non-Jews on Shabbos, there's really no problem because Achainosei es atzmo. So Ki Amr, Rabbi Yochanan, so Rava will answer. When Rabbi Yochanan says that specifically Ben Becerra and Rabbi Nassin agree, that's Besus Amyuchad Leofis. That is by a horse that is specifically for birds, okay? And we're going to explain what this means in a second. But that's a horse that would transport birds. And because we're talking about transporting birds, it's true that only Reb, Reb, Reb Nassin would say that Achai no Seyesatzma applies to birds. As we saw earlier, the Chacham would disagree and say that Achai no Seyesatzma does not apply to birds. They would say that you'd be chai for carrying birds on Shabbos because we don't say Achai no Seyesatzma. Is there such a thing as a horse that is specific for birds? In the answer is yes. Ika deve vayadan. The bird trappers that the bird trappers, they would, I guess part of how they would trap birds is they would have, I guess, certain birds that would catch other birds. And these birds would just kind of, you know, they would take, I guess the birds would kind of sit on the horse and they'd take the horse out somewhere with the birds on it and then the birds would go fly and catch other birds or something like that. So the point being that that was what Rabbi Yochanan was referring to when he says Ben Becerra and Rabbi Nassin agree. Yeah, that's regarding these horses that transport birds. In that case, Rabbi Nassin and Rabbi and Ben Becerra agree that um, you would be, you know, you'd be allowed to sell um, these horses to non-Jews um, because even if you know you end up lending them to non-Jews and they use it for their bird kind of stuff on Shabbos, it would be okay because Achai no Seisatzma applies to birds. The Chacham, however, would disagree and say that Achai no Seisatzma does not apply to birds. However, if we were talking about horses for human use, you know, for humans to ride on, well, the Chacham would also agree, Mistama, that uh, you would be allowed to sell them to non-Jews because there's no problem on Shabbos uh, if, if they end up using, if Jews end up lending it to them, they end up using it on Shabbos, it would be no problem because Achai no Seisatzma. Cool. Everybody getting it? It's like not the hardest thing in the world, but like, I don't know, you do have to work through it slowly. Like again, I was like a little surprised at how long this stuff took me to learn because it's not super duper hard, but it, it just, you do have to work through it kind of slowly, thoroughly, I think. Am Reb Yochanan, says Reb Yochanan, umode Reb bichafus. Now, Reb however, admits when it comes to a human being who is bound, who's tied up, okay? So meaning while, let's say, and we say if um, a, a person is riding a horse on Shabbos, so we would say that Chai uh, is no seisatzmo, a human being carries himself, and therefore um, the horse isn't actually doing anything. However, if the human being is tied up somehow, well then we don't apply a Chai no seisatzmo because he can't, he's limited in his movements. We don't say that he carries himself. I guess he's leaning more on the horse. Okay. Um, Ravada Barmasna Abayis. Now says Ravada Barmasna to Abaye. Veha Hani Parsai. But what about these Persians? The Persians, they would wear all these robes, and all these robes would kind of limit their ability to move very well. So it's Kiilu, they're like tied up. Dichman Dichvisei Damu. It's as if they're kind of tied up and limited in their movements. 
from Rabbi Yochanan ben Beseira Rabbi Nassan Amud Now, of course, as we know, that Rabbi Yochanan said that Ben Beseira and Rabbi Nassan agree when it comes to these horses that you would be allowed to sell them to non-Jews. And we're not concerned uh, right, that you'd be allowed to um, sell them to non-Jews because even if they use them on Shabbos, well, no but one second. When Ben Becerra says that you'd be allowed to sell these um, horses to non-Jews, any non-Jews, even Persian non-Jews, you'd be allowed to sell these horses to. But it sounds like Reb Nassim wouldn't necessarily agree with that. Because Reb Nassim would say, Reb Nassim would say, Mistama, that you wouldn't be allowed to sell these horses to Persians because Persians wear these fancy clothing that makes it difficult for them to move and it's ke'ilu, they're tied up. And we say that we don't apply achay no se'satzmo when you are tied up. So, on the one hand, Rabbi Nassim is saying that we don't apply achay no se'satzmo when a person is bound, yet Rabbi, Yo, Rabbi, yet Rabbi Yochanan seems to be saying that Ben Becerra and Rabbi Nassim agree regarding selling horses, and Ben Becerra says you could sell a horse to anybody, including Persian people. So then how could Rabbi Nassim and Ben Becerra be agreeing regarding that, while Rabbi Nassim apparently is claiming that if you're bound, then you don't, we don't say a no anymore. So the Gemara answers, no, So the Gemara answers, nah, that whole Persian thing, it's a hoax. It's just one big show. Sure, they're wearing fancy clothing. But the fact that they make you think that like they can't move because they're like wearing all this fancy clothing, it's mom is just a show. Rimus ruchahu. It's like, what does he say? It's gasus. It's just haughtiness. It's all a show. The ahu pardashla, there was a certain um, like officer, that the king got angry at him. And guess what? He ran three parsaos. That's like a bunch of miles. What's that? Like probably like five miles or something in this fancy clothing. And he was just fine. Um, so therefore, uh, these Persian clothing really is not considered as if you're tied up. And you would even be allowed to uh, sell these horses to the Persian people. And it wouldn't, we would still be able to apply no Seyasatsmo, even according to Reb Nassim. All right, says the Mishnah. Okay, so we said if you have a uh, dead person in a bed, well, then you will be chayv. So now we're going to um, have an interesting sort of uh, discussion about Rabbi Shimon's opinion regarding Melacha Shenetzricha Ligufa. Okay? Um, so now, in this case, we would consider it a Melacha Shenetzricha Ligufa. So now, in understanding Rabbi Shimon's perspective towards Melacha Shenetzricha Ligufa, um, we're going to differentiate between two types of goofs. Okay, so remember, let's talk about Malacha Shein Tzricha Lagufa for a second. So, you have a Malacha. In this case, what's the Malacha? The Malacha is Otsah. You're taking out a mace. You're taking out a corpse. Unfortunately, somebody died, and, and you're taking somebody, and you're taking them out of the house into Rosh Hashanah. Now, there are two aspects of this Malacha, or I guess probably of any Malacha, really. But over here, we're looking at two aspects here. There's Ligufo. And legufa, I guess, right? Kilu. There's the person who's doing the activity, and then there's the object of the activity. The person doing the activity is, you know, uh, the person taking out the maze. So let's say Ruvain died, and Shimon is taking him outside. So there's Shimon who's taking him outside, and we're thinking about his um, um, perspective. And then there's Ruvain who died, and we're thinking about from his perspective. So in this case, Shimon who's taking out Ruvain who died. So he really didn't want, it's pretty biddy evit, he didn't want that Ruvain should die, right? And therefore, the whole malacha that he's doing of taking Ruvain, uh, taking, uh, Ruvain out of the house, right? Shimon is taking Ruvain out of the house. So it's really not something that he wanted in the first place. And he's just taking out um, Ruvain from the house, the mace from the house, so that, you know, maybe you don't want too much mace in the house, whatever it is. Now there's the perspective of Ruvain, who's the mace. So you're also not really benefiting him at all by taking him out of the house. We're going to see in a minute, what if you go to take, what if you're actually going to take him out of the house to bury him on Shabbos? Well, in that case, I don't know whatever malachas there might be involved in burying him, but in that case, from the perspective of the mace, 
of Reuven in our example. So from the perspective of the mace, you are going to benefit him. You're burying him. It benefits him. So now, so when we're saying just strictly speaking, taking a mace out of a house on Shabbos, okay? So it's a melacha she'en netzrich legufa, and that really applies both legufo and legufa, right? Legufo of the person taking out the mace, he didn't want the mace to die. You know, he's not really make, taking out the mace because he wants to be taking out a mace from his house, right? He's, he's taking out a mace because there's a mace in his house and he just wants to get him out of the house. Um, and from the perspective of the mace itself, well, you're not really benefiting the mace by taking him outside at all. So it's a malacha shenitzrichelugufa. This malacha is happening and really not benefiting anybody. Okay. So now, um, so says the Gemara. Amar Rava, Amar of Yoch, Rav Yochanan, Amar of Yosef, Amar of Shimon ben Lakish, which is interesting. You don't usually see Rava quoting Rav Yochanan. Rava, of course, and Rav Yosef were both in Bavel. Rav Yochanan and Rish Lakish were in Eretz Yisrael. Rav Yochanan and Rish Lakish were like second generation Amoraim. Rava was fourth generation, or Yosef was third generation. I don't know, it's just like, these aren't, these aren't names that you usually see quoted too often together. But anyways, Amr Rava, Amr of Yochanan, Amr of Yosef, Amr of Shimon ben Lakish, Potter Hari Rab Shimon, Av Lekovro. Interesting. So Rab Shimon would say that it's a Malacha Shenetzricha Legufa, and your Potter, even if you're taking out the mace from the house in order to take him to the cemetery and bury him. So in this case, it's beneficial to the mace who sort of, if we just use sort of objective terms, um, the mace here is the object of the malacha that you're doing, right? What you're doing is you're doing hotzah, and what are you taking out? You're taking out the mace, and here it's benefiting the mace. It's for a positive value. You are bringing value to the mace and that you're bringing him to burial. However, it's not to the value of the person who, uh, unfortunately, somebody, a relative or a friend passed away. For him, it's not beneficial. It's not a positive thing that's going on, somebody died. If he had his way, this wouldn't be happening in the first place. So therefore, Reb Shimon says, even so, so, so in this case, still, um, uh, the person taking him out, in our example, that would be Shimon taking out Ruven who died. So Shimon would be uh, Potter um, because he didn't want this context and he didn't want this thing happening in the first place. Um, so that's very interesting. So, so says the Gemara, even when Shimon is taking out Ruven in order to bury him, which is positive for Ruven who's getting buried, but it's not positive, it's unfortunate for Shimon who has to bury him, therefore that's considered um, not Tzricha, Melacha Shena Tzricha Legufa, and your Pater. Amar Rava says, Rava umode Reb Shimon, but Reb Shimon admits, Bimar lach porbo v'sefer Torah likros po However, Reb Shimon would admit that if you take out a hoe in order to dig up some earth, okay, so the malacha being hotza, and you're taking out this hoe, and you're taking out the hoe so that you can use it to dig with. Or if you take out a Sefer Torah, and you're taking it out to read from. In that case, it would be a malacha shetzricha legufa, and you would be chayv. Let's go on a little bit. So the Gemara says, pshita, obviously you should be chayv. The iha. If we would consider this to be a melacha shenetzricha legufa for whatever reason, right? Meaning in this case, you need the Sefer Torah. You need it, so you're taking it out so that you can read it. You're taking out the host so that you can dig with it. If you're going to say that these are melacha shenetzricha legufa, then what the heck is a melacha shetzricha legufa? So then, el melacha shetzricha legufa l'reb shimon hechi mishkachasla. So the Gemara answers, ma'od detayim, I may have thought, adika legufa u legufa, Oh, 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 to say that in order for Reb Shimon to be to consider something to be a melacha shetzricha legufa, it would have to have both positive aspects. Legufa u legufa. So, in the case where you're taking out um, the hoe in order to Dig with it, so it's tzrichat legufo. It's benefiting me. I'm taking it out so that I could dig with it, or they say for Torah, I'm taking it out to read it. All right, so, I'm, so it's, I'm, it's it's beneficial to me. However, there's no benefit to the say for Torah. What benefit am I doing for it? I'm reading for it. I'm the one getting benefit, or for the or for the hoe, right? I'm not sure. I'm getting benefit from the hoe, but the hoe is not benefiting from it. So I might think that that would also be a malachashen tzrichat legufa. Because even, right, I might think that in order for something to be considered tzricha legufa, 
according to Rabbi Shimon. I would need both aspects. That would be beneficial both for me as the one doing the activity, as well as the object of the activity would have to benefit from it. So Kamash Malan, what Rabbi Shimon is saying, is that even though I'm the only one benefiting it, the hoe isn't benefiting from me taking it out, the Sefer Torah isn't benefiting from me taking it out, nonetheless, it's considered Melacha Shetzricha Legufa, and I'm going to be chayv. So let's read it again, right? So, Amar Rava, Umod Reb Shimon B'marlach Porbo, the Reb Shimon admits when it comes to a hoe to dig with, V'Sefer Torah Likrosbo, or a Sefer Torah to read with, D'chayv, that you are going to be chayev for taking it out. Pshita, the Gemara says, well, that's obvious. And then the Gemara says, well, it's not so obvious. So he says, right, right? If these are, uh, if we would consider this, then what would be Okay, no. So says the Gemara, because I would have thought, I would have thought to say, that Reb Shimon would only consider it to be a melacha shetzricha when it benefits both the person doing the action as well as the object receiving the action. Kigon, for example, mar lasos bo tas vilachpor. For example, if I was taking out this hoe, not just to dig with, which would benefit me, but also in order to like straighten out any dents that might be in the hoe. So I'm also fixing the hoe, benefiting the hoe, and I'm also getting the benefit for, of digging with it. Sefer Torah Or if I take out a Sefer Torah, both to check it, to go over it, to make sure there are no mistakes, as well as to read from it. So I'm benefiting from it as well as the Sefer Torah is. So I may have had the thought, have a minute to say that according to Reb Shimon, you would only be chayev for, it would only be considered a melacha shetzricha legufa that you're chayev for in this manner when both I as the doer of the action as well as the object of the action are both benefiting. Kamash Malan comes to teach us Rava that no, what's important to Reb, to Reb Shimon seemingly is me, is the person doing the action. If I am benefiting from the action, then it's a melacha shetzricha legufa and I'm chayev. If I am not benefiting from the action, then it's a melacha she'enet tzricha legufa and I'm pater. And therefore, in the case where um, I'm taking out a mace to bury the mace, I'm not benefiting from the action. The mace is benefiting from the action. He's getting buried, but I'm not. I'm sad. I wish that he wouldn't have died. This isn't, I'm not enjoying this. I'm not, this isn't something that I want to be doing. Therefore, it's a melacha she'enet tzricha legufa and Reb Shimon says that you're pater. Now, if I take out a Sefer Torah to read from it, I'm the only one benefiting. The Sefer Torah isn't benefiting. So therefore, um, Reb Shimon says, that would be a Melacha Shetzricha Legufa. And I would be Chayv. Because it seems that he seems to take into account when defining Melacha Shetzricha Legufa or Eina Tzricha depending on if the one who is doing the action is benefiting from it. It's interesting, right? Says the Gemara, Haushichva Dahava Bidrokeres there was a mace. There was a, a dead body in the place called Drokeris. Shar of Nachman bar Yitzchak la'afuke l'charmelis. And Rav Nachman bar Yitzchak um, permitted the people to take this mace and put it in a carmelis, right? Of course, carmelis being um, only Rishus Midir Abanan. So I think you add a mace in Rishus Harabim. Uh, or maybe it was Rishus HaYachid. No, I think it was Rishus HaYachid. We'll see in a minute. So there was a mason Rosh Hashayachid, and it was like Bibizayon. It was it was kind of uh, in in a not mechubad place, um, whatever, wherever this Rosh Hashayachid was, I guess. And Rav Nachman Yitzchak allowed them to move it, the mace, to a carmelis. Amar Rav Yochanan Achva the Marbre the Ravna the Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak. So Rav Yochanan Achva the Marbre the Ravna said to Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak, Kiman, who are you allowing? Like who are you allowing to remove this mace from a Rosh Hashayachid into a carmelis? Kreb Shimon? Are you like going like Reb Shimon who says that Melacha Shein Etzricha Legufa is Pater? Emar de Pater Reb Shimon, Michi Uvchatas, Isur de Abanan Mia Ika. I'll say that, you know, as we all know by now, as we all knew a long time ago already, that when we say Pater on Shabbos, it means Pater Aval Asr. So therefore, Reb Yochanan Achva de Marbe de Ravna said to Reb Nachman by Yitzchak, why are you permitting Lichatchila for people to take out a mace from Erosh Yachin and put it in this Carmelis? Reb Shimon only says that Melacha is Pater, but it's not Mutter. Why are you allowing them to do this Melacha So Amr Elohim the Ailas Be'at. So which Rav Nachman says, what are you talking about? Elohim is like always like what? It's a Lashon Shvu. It's like what the heck are you talking about? Vafilu the Rabbi Yehuda Dami. 
Even Rabbi Yehuda, who says Amlacha Sheinatzricha Lagufa is Chayav a Korban Chatos, would agree with what I'm allowing them to do because Kaamina Lerushus Harabim Lecharmilis Kaamina. Am I telling them to take out the mace into Rishus Harabim? No way. I'm saying that they're allowed to take a mace and put it in Rishus Hayachid. No, in a Rishus in, in a Karmelis to take it from Rishus Hayachid to a Karmelis, which is only an Iser Midra Banan. And of course, as we know, also. That Kavod Abrios, as obviously is the case in this case with a mace who's in a disrespectful uh, environment that you want to bring into a more respectful environment. Uh, I don't know what this Carmelist was or why it was considered more uh, a more respectful environment, but that 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 is certainly the implication. Um, so taking this mace from Rosh to, uh, to a Carmelist is only in Isra Midirabanan. It's only Otsa Midirabanan. And of course, as we know, that the Rabbanan in making their dinim the Rabbanan always baked into it that bimakom covered abrios, that when there is human dignity involved, um, they, they waive their dinim, their gezeras. And therefore, you, you're, you would be allowed to bring this mace into a Carmelis, um, even milichatchila, because um, of Gadu Kavalabrios, Shadokhas Losaisa Shabatora, that it pushes off a Losaisa, of course, that Losaisa being the Lotasur Minadavar Shagidul Chavit Yamna Small, the Isser to violate Dinim Durabanan. However, the Dinim Durabanan are always going to be waived when it has to do with human dignity. Okay, says the Gemara. So, so, so we had said in the Mishnah that you would be Chayev for taking out a Kazayas Minames from a house on Shabbos, right? That is because you had a kezayis from a mace in the house, that's matame the house, and by taking, and you're taking out the kezayis from the mace, out of the house, in order to remove that tumma from the house, so that there won't be any more tumma in the house. Okay? So because that there's sort of a value in doing that, it's chashuv, and therefore you're going to be chayev for otza. Now, it's not awesome. We learn over there, in Masechta Negayim, obviously when it comes to things like Negayim and Zavim, we know it's going to be fun. So atolish simane tuma vehichva hamichya over below saise. Very good. So, okay. When it comes to tsaras, of course we know what tsaras is. It's this like skin disease, leprosy. I think it's defined as I don't know really know what leprosy is, but whatever. Although I did go to school for two years in Bade Hansen, and which was used to be a leper colony. Whatever. So, 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 okay. If you have leprosy, so the definition of, of, of a leprosy of this like skin disease thing that would be considered, in order to consider it to be tsara'as, it has to have two white hairs in it. Okay. Another option is that you have to have this like, I don't know, a blemish or whatever. And inside there's like normal looking skin inside. So either, either one of those would be, um, simane tuma. Okay, that would make you tummy with tsaras. So let's say you figured you have a bright idea. You have this tsaras, and there are two white hairs in there. And you know, you know, gosh, I'm in big trouble. If I show it to the coin like this, he's gonna, I'm gonna have to go outside. The, you know, I'm gonna go into quarantine for a few weeks, and I really don't want that. So he has a good idea. He'll just take out a tweezers, pull out one of the hairs, and he no longer has two hairs. Good idea, right? The other option would be, you know, um, if there is um, healthy skin in the middle of it, so he says, oh no, that's going to be a problem. So he takes out a, uh, you know, blowtorch and he burns himself so that he no longer has um, um, healthy skin in the middle of the blemish and it won't be tame anymore. So what if somebody does these things? So basically he was tame and he's removing the tuma. okay? So Tanan, awesome. We learn over there in Nigayim. Hatolish simane tuma. So if... He has two white hairs and he plucks one out, thereby removing the tumah. Or if he burns the, um, the, the, the healthy skin that's inside of the blemish in order to make it not tumah anymore. Over below saisa. So he's violating a losaisa. Which losaisa? Of Hishamer Benega Tsaras. Guard the affliction of Tsaras. Hishamer is a lashon of Lotase. Meaning, don't, don't, don't mess it up. Don't pull out white hairs. Don't, um, you know, burn yourself. Fine. Itmar. We have machlokes amoraim. Achas mishtaim 
Chayv. Achaz Mishalosh. One second. I don't know. Whatever. I hope that at the beginning of Tzadi Dalai Murafa, it wasn't saying it was a machlogus between Rav Nachman and Rav Sheshis. Machlogus between Rav Asher and Rav Sheshis. I can't remember. Let's go weiter. So anyways, so Itmar, here it's a machlogus between Rav Nachman and Rav Sheshis. So, so, um, Itmar, achas mishtaim chayv, if you pluck out, okay, so let's say you had two white hairs, okay? Let's say you had two white hairs and you pluck one of them out. So obviously you're chayv. Obviously you're chayv. Because Two white hairs defines Tuma. You're plucking out one of the white hairs so that you no longer have two. It's only one, so you're basically bringing it from a state of Tuma into a state of Tara. That's a problem. Okay. Achaz Mishalosh, but what if you have three white hairs and you only pull out one of them? So it's still going to be Tuma. You know, you're not messing with that. You go to the Kohen, he's going to tell you you're Tame. So by plucking out one white hair, what's the big deal? So if Nachman Amar Chayv, Rav Shesha Samar Pater. Rav Nachman says, nonetheless, you're Chayv. Rav Shesha says, no, it's fine, you're Pater. You didn't mess with the Tumah. You still, you know, if there were, you, you know, there's still two hairs, you know, it's still a blemish, still gonna be Chayv. So Rav Nachman Amar Chayv, Rav Nachman says that you're Chayv because Ahani Maisav, the Imishtak Lachad Achrise, Azlila Tumah. Rav Nachman says that he's Chayv because, sure, at this point in time, He's not doing anything wrong. There were three white hairs. He removes one of them. There's still two white hairs. He's not messing with his status of Tumah. But what happens now if one of those remaining two white hairs falls out? Now he's going to be Tahor. But he's only going to be Tahor because of the fact that he pulled out that third one. If he wouldn't have pulled out the third one, then he would still be Tameh. So therefore, even though his action right now of plucking out this third hair isn't doing anything wrong, it's still Usr because if in the future another hair is going to fall out, he's going to be tar, but only because of the fact that he pulled out that third hair, and therefore it's a problem. Rav Sheshis Amar Pater, Hashtamiyas Ha'isa Lutuma. Rav Sheshis says he's Pater because the fact of the matter is that his action that he's doing right now is not messing anything up. Right? He was Tameh because he has three white hairs. He's pulling out one of them. He still has two white hairs. He's still Tameh. I don't care what happens in the future. Right now he's not doing anything wrong. Therefore, Rav Sheshis says he's Pater. Amar Rav Sheshis, Mino and Rav Shesha says, and you know how I know, like, where do I get my, my position from? Ditznan, from our Mishnah here in Shabbos, saying that you would not be allowed to remove a kazayas from a mace, a kazayas of flesh from a mace from a house on Shabbos, because you'd be changing the status of Tumah of the house. And therefore, you know, there, there, it's a, it's chashuv and it's a positive, you know, there's, it, it, you'd be high for Otsa. Ditznan, as we learn in our Mishnah, v'chein kazayas min a mace, and similarly, you'd be chayv for removing a um, kezayis that came from a mace or a kezayis that came from an avela from the house. Implying that if it was only half of a zayis, then you would be potter. There wouldn't be any significance. One second, we have another b'risa that says if you remove half a zayis of a mace from the house, you'd be chayv. What's Pshat? How do we resolve the two? Are you Chayv for taking out half a, half a Kazayas? Or are you Pater? So my lab, so Rav Sheshis wants to argue, Haditanya Chayv, when you say that you're Chayv, Te'apik Chatsi Zayas Mi Kazayas. When we say that you're Chayv, Mistamit's talking about when there was a Kazayas from the mace in the house, you're now taking out, you're cutting it in half, you're taking out half of it, and by doing so, you no longer have a kezayis from the mace in the house, which would be a shear to be metame the house. You now only have half a kezayis of the mace in the house, and that's not going to be metame the house anymore. And therefore we're saying that you would not be allowed to take out half a zayis from a mace when there was initially a full zayis. And by taking out that half of a zayis, you're now sort of messing with, with, with the status of tumma, and it's no longer tumma anymore because there's no longer a full zayis which would be similar to basically plucking out one hair from two hairs, which wouldn't be allowed. Vahaditnam putter, and when it says that you'd be putter, is the apik chatsi zayis mikzayis vamechza. And when would you be putter for taking out 
half of a zayis. When there was a kazayis and a half from a dead body in the house. And in that case, when you take out only a half of a zayis, you'd be potter because you're still leaving a full zayis now. So you're not messing with the status. Sure, you know, if now, now you are putting it sort of in a more, um, um, delicate state that now if some of the kazayas goes away somehow, some of the kazayas that's left in the house goes away somehow, there's no longer going to be a kazayas in the house and the house is no longer going to be tame. And the only reason why it's not tame is specifically due to the fact that you had already removed half of the zayas to make it sort of a very, um, constricted amount. But we seem to be saying that we don't care. If you take out half of the zayas, you're putter. Because as long as you're leaving that zayis there, you're going to be chayev. Uh, as, as long as you're leaving that zayis there, so the, so, so the tumor remains, and that's fine. And therefore, um, that is how Rav Sheshis makes the same argument, that when you have three hairs and you remove one, you're going to be put there as well. Even though that does mean that if one of the two remaining hairs falls out, it's going to be ta- uh, tahor now, and that's only due to the fact that you removed the third hair, but that would be okay, just like when you remove the half of a zayis from a kazayis and a half, it's okay since you're leaving the kazais in the house. Rav Nachman, Whereas Nachman says that no, in both of those cases, you would be chayev. Whether you take out a kazai, a half of a zayis from a full zayis, or whether you take out a half of a zayis from a zayis and a half, you're going to be chayev in both of those cases for the same reason that he says that you're going to be chayev for um, removing one hair when there are three there. Because, you know, if at a later point, one of those hairs falls out, or if at a later point, um, you know, that kazais that remains becomes smaller, it's going to change the status of Tumah and it's directly connected to the activity that you did. When we say that you're potter for taking out half a zayis, that's talking about when you're taking out half of a zayis from a large zayis, in which case, you know, there's still plenty of mace left in the house and, um, you know, we're really not concerned that you're going to affect um, this the shear of tuma becoming small enough that it goes away. Um, in that case, you'd be potter because, because, yeah, sure, you're, you're leaving the mace in the house and um, it's going to remain tame and it, it's not really going to become smaller than that. And even if it does, it won't be small enough that it won't be tame anymore. Okay. New Mishnah. Hanotel tzipornav zo bezo o bishinav. Okay, if somebody um, removes his fingernails on Shabbos, um, either by like, you know, uh, using one fingernail against, against another fingernail, i.e. without some kind of a nail clipper or something, obishinov, or he uses his teeth to remove his, he bites his nails, v'chein um, syro, if somebody kind of pulls out his hair, v'chein svamo, or his mustache, v'chein zukano, or his beard, v'chein agudeles, or if you braid your hair, v'chein akocheles, or if you put on blue eyeliner, uh, blue eyeshadow. V'chein apokeses, if you put on, uh, blush. I think that's like, maybe red stuff that, uh, you put on your cheeks, maybe? Hmm. Rabbi Eliezer Mechaev. Rabbi Eliezer says that you are, um, Chaev. V'chacham osin mishim shvos. V'chacham says pater avalaser. Okay. Very cool. Okay. Says the Gemara. Am Rabbi Lazar. Also says Rabbi Lazar. Rabbi Lazar, the Amora, of course. Rabbi Lazar ben Pidas. Right, and we've in the mission we're talking about Rabbi Eliezer ben Hurkanus, who's the Tana. So I'm Rabbi Lazar. Machlokes biyad. So the machlokes between Rabbi Eliezer in our Mishnah and the Rabbanan in our Mishnah. The Rabbi Eliezer says it's usher to remove your fingernails, and the Chacham say it's pater avalaser. Meaning, Rabbi Eliezer says that they rechive a korban chatas. The Chacham says it's pater avalaser. That is, if you remove the fingernails with your hands. Avabichli, if you use a um like nail clipper or nail scissors, um, everyone is going to say you're chayv. Even the Chacham will say that you're chayv. Pshita is not obvious. I mean, the Mishnah, after all, says if you remove it with your hands, implying that if you remove it with a nail clipper, you'd be chayv. So, I may have had the Havamina to say, that the Rabbanan say, no, you'd also be potter if you use a nail clipper. Then why does it say, that, you know, specifically your putter if you remove it with your hands. To show you to what extent Rabbi Eliezer maintains his opinion to say that you're chayev, even when it's just with your hands. So Rabbi Eliezer is teaching us that, um, no, that, that Chacham specifically say that you're putter when you do it with your hands, but you'd be chayev if you do it with a nail clippers.
Rabbi says that the machlokes between Rabbi Eliezer, who says chayev, and the chacham who says pater, is only when he's taking off his own fingernails. But even Rabbi Eliezer would admit that your pater, if you take off your friend's fingernails, exciting. So pshita is not obvious. Tiponav tnan. It says in the Mishnah that taking off his fingernails, and that's where Rabbi Eliezer says that you're chayev. So Mahadatema may have thought. Rabbi Eliezer lechaveru nami mechayev. Rabbi Eliezer says, no, you're also chayev if you take off your friend's fingernails. So why does he say his fingernails? Teach you the koach of the rabbanon who say that even when it's um, his own fingernails, he's still going to be potter. Okay, exciting stuff. V'chein sairo chule and also his hair. Tana, we learn in a brisa. Hanotel milopi azug b'shabes chayev. So we have a brisa that says that if on Shabbos you remove um, enough, if on Shabbos you remove enough um, hairs from your head to fill up like, I don't know, the tip of like a scissors or something? Chayev. V'chamam lo piyazug. How much is this? I'm reviewed a shtaim. Reviewed a says it's two hairs. Okay, if you remove two hairs on Shabbos, you're chayev. Fine. V'atanya u'lekorcha shtaim. One second, in that same brace it says, and to make yourself bald is two hairs. Meaning, the Pasuk says, lo sasimu korcha le'nechem Lemes, right? It says that if somebody dies, do not make a bald spot between your um, eyes. Do not make a bald spot between your eyes. And how do we define that? That that's two hairs. So that we want to argue that if we're saying in this brisa that Meloa Piazug, and then we're mentioning the, the shear of a korcha is two hairs, that implies that Meloa Piazug would not be two hairs. So Ema V'chein Lekorcha Shtaim. So the Gemara says, no, just say, and similarly, making a bald spot would be considered when it's two hairs, meaning that um, on Shabbos do not remove two hairs and also for a mace, don't make a bald spot of two hairs. Tan and Amiyachi, we also learn in a brisa like this. pi azug Somebody takes out enough to uh, for the tips of uh, scissors on Shabbos is chayev. pi azug. How much is that? Time. Rabbi Yezer Omer Achas. Rabbi Yezer though says that it's actually just one hair. Umodim chacham. Rabbi Yezer b'melaket levanus mitoch shcharos shafilo achas chayev. However, the chacham agree with Rabbi Yezer that if you are uh, removing white hairs, that if a man is removing white hairs. So even one um, hair would be chayev. And during the week, however, this isn't just a Shabbos thing. The Chacham would say this during the week as well. If a man is removing a white hair because he's um, self-conscious that he doesn't want to look old, so we say that he'll be chayev even during the week because it would be a violation of a different halacha of a man should not wear a woman's, woman's garment. Um, and that applies not just to women's garments, but also to... Pulling out white hairs from black hairs. Okay, the assumption, I guess, was that that was something that women would be more interested in doing than men. Interesting. Okay. Tanit within a brisa. Ribshim ben Elazar Omer says Ribshim ben Elazar. Siporinship peres ruba. Okay. What if you have a fingernail that is already mostly removed? Exciting. Vitzitzinship peres ruban or cuticles that are mostly removed already. So beyond mutter b'chli chayev. So you can. Um, just finish off the job with your hand, no problem. 100% mutar. Bechli, but if you use some kind of a implement, um, some kind of a, a, a scissors or, or such, then you'd be chayev. Chatas. Now the Gemara says, one second. Is there really something that if you do it with a um, kli, you'd be chayev chatas, yet if you do it with your hand, your mom is mutar lechatchila? So, this is what it means. Perishu ruban, if the majority of the fingernail or of the cuticle already um, fell off, well then biyad mutter, to, do, to remove it with your hand is mutter, bichli pater avalaser. Using a kli would be pater avalaser at this point. Low perishu ruban, well if, it, if it's less the majority that's already removed, well then biyad pater avalaser, removing it with your hand would be pater avalaser, bichli chayev chatas. With a uh, kli, you would be chayev a korban chatas. Amarav Yehuda halacha kibshim ben Elazar. So Yehuda says halacha kibshim ben Elazar. Amarav Rabbanan Rav Yochanan vushe perishu klapi milo umitzaro soso and says Rav Rabbanan then Rav Yochanan then we talk about removing these cuticles. I guess being um, I guess if it's a majority then it, then it would be mutter and if it's a minority then it would be patar velaser. So with your hand at least that's talking about if the cuticles are facing upwards and they are causing you pain. But if they're, I guess, facing downwards and not really uncomfortable, so then um, you wouldn't be able to remove them. Exciting stuff. 
Woo, that was summed off, right? I don't know. Like, it wasn't like really hard, but you had to do it slowly. I don't know. It was unassuming for me. I didn't, I didn't expect it to be that involved. Anyways, friends, let, 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 let's go over what we talked about. So we started by talking about taking out food in a kli on Shabbos. So first we said that you would be high of, uh, for the food and putter for the kli, right? Meaning assume that you take out more than a dried fig's worth. So you'll be high of for taking out the food on Shabbos. You'll be putter for taking out the kli because it is tafel to the food. Now, if, however, you need the kli as well, such as if it's a Tupperware and you're going to a potluck, well, then you're also going to be high for the kli. And what does it mean that you're high for the kli? Shouldn't, you only be, shouldn't it be like, um, shouldn't it be like if you eat two kezesim of chelev, you only have one korban chatas? So you should be high one korban chatas here also for the food and for the kli. So Reb Sheshe said, it's talking about actually where um, you were bishogeg about the food, but you were bemazed about the kli. And therefore, you're high of a korban chatas for the food, but you're going to be chayev misa for the kli. Nervashi says that um, you're shogeg for both. You're shogeg for both the um, food and for the kli. However, you were notified about it separately. And it goes back to that machlogos between Rabbi Yochanan and Rish Lakish about when you eat two zesim of chelev and then you found out about one and then later you find out about the other one. So Rabbi Yochanan says you have to be bring two korban chatases and that's going to be like Ravashi. Whereas um, Rish Lakish says you'd only bring one korban chatas and Rav Shesha holds like Rish Lakish which is why he had to explain that the food was um, b'shogeg and the kli was b'mezit. We talk about taking out animals on, 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 on Shabbos. The Chum say that whether they're alive, whether they're dead, um, it would be, you would be Chayev. Whereas Rav Nassim says that if they're dead, you'd be Chayev, but if they're alive, it would be Pater because of chai, the concept of Chay no seyes atzmo. And then the question is, um, this is Machlogas by animals between the Chacham and Rav Nassim. How does it apply to humans? So Rav says that when it comes to humans, um, even the Chacham would agree that it would be Pater because Chay no seyes atzmo. Then we ask certain, we try to ask, questions uh, from, you know, selling a horse to a non-Jew. Um, ben Becerra says that you'd be allowed to sell a horse to a non-Jew because even if you end up lending horses to non-Jews and they use the horse on Shabbos, it would nonetheless be potter of al-Asr. Uh, yeah, well, it would be potter for, for because Chayno says Asmo, so therefore that, that's why that's okay. Um, fine, we talked about Melacha Shein according to Reb Shimon in the context of taking a mace out of a house. And, and we, um, we, we got to think a better understanding of Rabbi Shimon's opinion, which is that he says he seems to be defining Melacha Shein in terms of the person who's doing the activity, right? If the person doing the activity wants to be doing the activity, well, then it's a Melacha Shein If he doesn't want to be doing the activity, such as like taking out a mace on Shabbos, it will be Melacha Shein Etzrich and and you will be, and you will be potter. Um, okay, then we got into that interesting discussion about, you know, when you have tsaras and you have like um, two hairs and you remove one, then you'd be high. But if you had three hairs and you remove one, so then we had this machlokas between Rav Sheshes and Rav Nachman. So Rav Sheshes says you would be potter because at the end of the day, you're still leaving two hairs and it remains tummy. Rav Nachman says that you're going to be chayev because even though right now you're still, um, you know, there's still two hairs and it remains tummy, but in the future, if one of those remaining hairs falls out, it's going to be tar, and that's directly connected to the fact that you had, at this point, pulled out the third one. Um, okay, and then Rav Sheshes, and, and then we tried to see if it kind of is similar to taking out a kazayas minames from our Mishnah. Um, fine, I'm not going to get into that right now. And then we talked about removing fingernails. And basically, the point is, if the majority is already removed, so then um, you're allowed to remove it with your hand. Um, however, removing it with a cleat would be patra avalasar. But if the majority is not removed, so then with your hand would be patra avalasar, with a cleat would be asar, that would be chai um, vachatas. And friends, that was a very interesting daf of daf tzadi I hope you guys have a great day or a great night and a great life.